0: I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's Morning Bible Studies. good to be with you this morning. I starting a new chapter in the book of Genesis. We're in Genesis chapter 24 and uh, we're studying through Abraham's life. We've been in Abraham's life for a good long while here because Abraham's life takes up not a majority of the book of Genesis, but it takes up a good 40-45% of the book of Genesis, and he is a picture of the man of faith. He's He's a picture of the Father in many stories, in many ways. He's a picture of the man of faith who chooses to walk with God, who hears God and listens to God, and does what God says because he's obedient, because he trusts God. He believes God. And so we're, we're in Genesis chapter 24, and he has finally gotten old. And you say, well, he was already old. And you're right, he was already old. He was, he was really old when he had Isaac, and Isaac has now become a young man. And his wife, Sarah, or Sarah now, is passed away, and he's found a place in Canaan to bury her. But he's got an issue. And his issue is that he needs a bride for his son. He needs to give his son a bride so that the promises of God can be carried out. And that's what's going on here. That is the the context of the story we're in right here. But let me give you a little bit of understanding. This is a beautiful picture. The last few chapters have all been important laying the framework or groundwork for prophecy that is coming up down the road and so when we read this and when you look at it you need to understand that god has given us pictures and those pictures are things that are happening in the future those pictures are things that foreshadowings of things that are going to go on down the road and this is a picture of god and his son jesus and the bride which is the church and i'm gonna go through it and we'll see how they work together how they come together and the pictures are perfect in foreshadowing or giving us a foretelling of god's plan thousands of years after this but he is laying the framework through his word to continue to tell that constant story of what God is planning to do, to glorify himself, to make himself known, and to show who he is. And that's what's going on with Abraham. That's what's happening this morning with Abraham. He says, now Abraham was old, advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed him in all things. Notice, Abraham had been blessed in everything. And why had Abraham been blessed in everything? Why was Abraham a man of blessing. The reason is because he trusts God, and I can't overemphasize that enough. If we're going to study Abraham, we have to think about how much Abraham trusted God, how he was willing to do whatever God told him to do, and believed him. And we also have to understand how much God blessed him because of it. The blessings or the opening of the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, in our hearts starts by faith, the key that opens all that the kingdom is prepared to do through us and give us is opened by faith. And that is the only way it's opened. It's opened by faith. And Abraham opened that power. He opened that kingdom in his own heart regularly because he was unashamedly, he was aggressively faithful to God. He he chased after God with everything he had, and God blessed him. God showed him who he was. It says, so Abraham said to his oldest servant, and I know. And I want you to notice here, this is the oldest servant. This is the servant with no name. It is a servant that has no identification. If you'll think about it, the Holy Spirit is a interesting figure in human history. He is an interesting figure in the Trinity. He's an interesting figure in everything because the Holy Spirit is the one who opens our eyes and our ears, he opens our mind up to who God is. He gives us the possibility of knowing God, to know who he is, and to know how he moves. And that is is, just a powerful It's a powerful understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is our paraclete. He's our counselor. He's always with us. He's always advising us. In antiquity times, he would have been that teacher that was hired by the parent to go through life with the student or the child and teach the child regularly about the world and about the things that are going on. And that did happen Those things did happen for the very, very wealthy, and that's what's going on in all actuality right here as we're studying this. The Holy Spirit is, is our constant guide and companion through life. He shows us everything that we're to do, and he provides for us as we go through life. He makes sure that we see what we need to see. He makes sure that we walk in what we need to walk in. He is our constant guide. And this oldest servant, anytime in the Bible, you have a servant who is unnamed, who we don't know who he is. That servant is always the Holy Spirit. That servant is a picture of the Holy Spirit moving in the life of the believer. And that's what's happening here. Remember, Isaac is the son of promise. He's the one that God's going to bring about his promises through. He's the one who's going to carry on the blessings that God promised Abraham far beyond his own, that he would be the father of a great nation or great nations, actually, and that his offspring would be as far as as many as the sands of the seashore and as as many as the stars of heaven. And the truth is, ever since he walk the face of the earth the people of faith that have come behind him and as a result of his faithfulness have gained faithfulness themselves all those people every one of them every one of them that's come after are a part of that promise there they are the ones that are numbered as the sand of the seashore and the stars of heaven and so we're a part of that too the bible says that we've been grafted in we're a part of that and notice that Abraham says to the oldest servant in his house who ruled over all that he had Notice that servant is actively involved in taking care of everything that Abraham had. It's a picture of the Holy spirit. It's obviously a picture of the Holy spirit. He said, please put your hand under my thigh and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. Notice, he is telling him, I want a bride that is not from, I want a bride that's not from the people that I'm around. And the reason is because the people that he was around were the people of Ham. They were under the curse, especially Canaan. The Canaanite people were under the curse, and we see that they're into idolatry. They're into all kinds of sinful living. God had to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of the greatness of their sin. And they worship other gods. They don't worship the one true God. They, they're into, as the children of Israel go into Egypt, into captivity, which is a picture of being enslaved to the world, God's people being enslaved to the world. What are the Canaanites doing? Well, they're increasing in, in number and they're increasing in their sinfulness. And eventually they get to the place where they are even sacrificing their own children to the god Molech. And they are as depraved and defiled a people that you can ever know or never see in scripture. And in fact, God's recipe for dealing with them when the children of Israel get back to Canaan is to wipe them out, not leave one of them alive because they are such an evil people. And God says, I don't want anybody from that. I want you to go find him a bride from my people, from the people of faith. I want you to go. I want you to go find a bride from those who trust me and uh, and you go, how do we get Jew and Gentile here? You can't really play that story in this regard because the only Jewish person in this whole group is Abraham, and he's really not Jewish because, because Israel is not completed and formed until we get to Jacob. Jacob gains the name Israel, and his 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. But that promise that is passed down from Abraham all the way through Isaac to Jacob, that promise is continuing, and so... What God's saying is, I want you to go get me a bride. I want you to go get me a bride from the people of promise, from my own people. And uh, to understand that, you have to really get an idea and understanding of who God is. God knows who his people are, and God has always known who his people are. His people of faith, those who will trust him. He's always acted as if he's known. He's always acted as if he knows what's going on, and he operates under that context. That's who he is. He operates under the context of trusting of those who trust him. And if we're a people that trust God, if we're a people that want to see God moving in our lives, if we're a people that hear God, believe God and act upon that, if that's who we are, let me tell you something. Life's going to be good. Life's going to be life. It's not going to be easy it's not going to be without trouble it's not going to be without difficulty but it's going to be good because i'm walking with god who made everything who knows my yesterday as as intimately as he knows my today and tomorrow he's actively involved in what i got going on and i can trust him in that and he says go find me a bride from my people don't find me a bride from the people that are not people of faith Find me a bride from the people that are a people of faith. Go find for my son a bride. And what it, that's just a clear, it's, a, it's the foreshadowing of the son of promise having a bride of promise. And that's who we are. That's what the New Testament church is all about. We're the bride of Christ. And Christ is, Christ is the promised one. He's the one who brings about all the promises of God. He unlocks the kingdom of God for his people. And we are not only his people, but we're actually his bride. And in the New Testament, we see that he's the bridegroom and we're the bride. And so he says, I want you to swear that you won't take a bride. You won't take a bride from the Canaanites, the people of the cursed people. They are. And you won't take a bride from them You'll take a bride from my people, the people that I know, the people that I'm intimate with. He said, but you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son, Isaac. Now, that is a beautiful picture, but it also, for this servant, is a problem. Because remember, this servant is not familiar with his home nation. This servant is not familiar with the place. In a practical sense, this servant doesn't know where of the chaldeans he's not ever been there and you can see how that's a worry because abraham is advanced in years and he's about to go on a long journey and it's not like he's going to take the interstate and jump in his car and he'll be back tomorrow with the bride he's going to have to journey a long way at least a thousand maybe two thousand miles using the modes of transportation that they had which were walking camels or donkeys and he's going to have to use that mode of transport. To- transportation, pass through many areas of kingdoms and places of people that he doesn't know, and he's going to have to get there and then find a bride that is from the family of Abraham, and he's going to have to find a perfect bride. She's going to have to be one who's not had a husband, not known a man, and she's going he's going to have to find one that is willing to come with him back and be the bride of Isaac and have not met him, has, hasn't met Isaac, doesn't know Isaac doesn't have any idea about Isaac. And there's some pretty pictures here about how God chooses or how the Holy Spirit is at work making those choices of the bride and the character that he's looking for, the character of faithfulness, the character of humility, the character that is willing to trust God and willing to to walk in what God is doing. This servant sitting there thinking, man, I've been serving you for a long time and you give me the doozy at the end you give me the big one, the one that seems like it's impossible. And the servant said to him in verse 5, he says, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. What he's saying is, how am I going to go find a woman over there that's of great character and great promise, and then find one that is willing to Follow me and know Jesus or no Isaac. How am I gonna ha- how am I gonna get that to happen? What if she's unwilling to do it? God already knows that there's a promise there. God already knows that there is one who is willing. God knows who we are. He says he knew us before he knit us in our mother's womb. And so the issue of whether or not there is somebody out there who's willing to trust God is not a mystery to God himself. The prophet there's a prophet in the old testament who said, I'm the only one, Lord. I'm the only one who trusts you. And he says, God says, you're crazy, man. I got five hundred other prophets that are living in the caves and they're trying to hide from, they're trying to hide from Ahab and Jezebel also. Just because you don't see faithfulness around you doesn't mean that there's not faithfulness. And let me tell you something. When a people of faith actually act on upon a peaceful of faith, there's a couple of things that always happen. When a people of faith come together and say, we're going to trust God and we're going to ask for God to do the big things, we're going to ask for God to do the huge things. Let me tell you the first thing God always does. God adds to their number people who are people of faith. I want to say that to you again. The first thing that happens when a people of faith come together and say, we're going to trust God for big things, we're going to to chase after God for the big stuff. God always adds to their number people of faith because he's going to, in order for him to do big things, he's got to have a lot. He wants a lot of people to enjoy and to experience that. And so he, he begins to send people. And let me tell you, he sends people from places you don't expect. And he sends people from areas that you don't know. Sometimes it's people from the area that you live in that you never expected to show up at at what God's doing. You've known them for all their lives, and you just never expected them to be there. Or maybe they were a part of something else that was going on, and they're looking for the movement of God in their lives right now, right where, where they're at you're going to have people come in from other places that nobody knows like rebecca is like this bride that the holy spirit's going to look for they're going to be called in by god from other places and places unknown and places unseen a lot of times when we're trying to find the movement of god and search for god and see god at work in our lives and see big things from god we look around and say we just don't have enough to make that happen for god already knew that he was going to have this great movement himself. He already had that in, in his plans. He already devised that. And so he's out there He's out there calling people in, bringing people in and preparing the congregation, preparing the body so that he can do the big things, so you can see the big things at work in, in that group of people that are seeking out faithfulness, who are seeking out big things from God. That's what God does. And you know what he does? He also calls us to forget about the things that are around us, the issues that are going on around us, and chase after the big things that he has ahead of us. And that's difficult. He didn't want to have a bride from the Canaanites. Why? Because Canaanites were never going to trust him. They were never going to walk with him. They were always going to chase after other gods. He wants the people that are hungry for him. He wants the people that are knowledgeable about him that have already had the Holy Spirit revealing to them and that are listening and wanting to hear God say, go here and do that. Just like Abraham did when he first heard God. He first heard God say, go to a people you don't know and a land that you don't know, and I'll make you a great nation. There are a lot of people out there that are searching for the plan of God in their lives. They are actively searching for the plan of God in their lives. That's what they're doing all the time. And God is is preparing a place for them to come to, to see that purpose and that plan at work. And when you have that going on around you, you ought to see, when you see people being drawn in and being developed and being prepared, that you would have never imagined would even be there. You couldn't even, if you made plans to, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to use this person for this and this person for that. And the people that you have now you didn't even know exist a year or two years ago, that's easily, obviously, the plan of God at work. And he is drawing in people to do something big in his kingdom. He is, he's, he is drawing upon the resources of his kingdom. That's what goes, is going on here. Abraham's saying to his servant, I want you to go get a bride from a people of promise, a people of faithfulness, a people that will actually trust, trust God, trust me. And so the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? Notice he said, Do I need to, if I can't find anybody, now I need to come back and take your son and let him go find somebody? No, that's not the plan. The plan is for the Holy Spirit, who is the picture of this servant, to go find the bride and to go bring the bride to Christ. And if you'll notice, that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit goes and convicts, the Bible calls it in the New Testament, the wooing or the calling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit calls those who are going to be people of faith. He places them in New Spirit, and then he calls them to come and to turn from their own ways and to trust God. And, And in this story, Abraham says, listen, no, you don't take my son there. You bring the bride to him. And that's what the Holy Spirit's always doing. He's bringing the bride together. And whenever you're in a situation where God is bringing the bride together, where he's calling people of, of faith together, and you can see those people of faith beginning to trust him and beginning to move. When you begin to see that happening in the world around you, when you begin to see that going on, you know that God's at work. And when you know God's at work, you need to get to work. You need to, you need to get to work. You don't need to come up with a different plan. You need to be, You need to be about doing what God has been showing you to do because the reason he's bringing those people there is he's bringing them there for a mighty work. He's bringing them there, not for no purpose, but for great purpose. And so what I'm going to say to you this morning is this, you need to regularly be looking around and looking for the hand of God at work. And if he's not working around where you're at, go find where he is working. And if he is working around where you're at, You need to invest all into it. You need to throw everything you got into it. It's one of those things where you find the perfect invention and you take all that you got and you buy the patent on that invention. In the Bible, the picture is you find a great treasure, a great pearl buried in a land and you realize this is a great value to you and you spend everything you've got to buy that piece of property so you can buy that treasure. When you see God moving around you, that's when you go all in. That's when you invest everything you've got and God moved in big ways, and you get to be a part of the movement of God. You don't get to see it. You get to actually experience it, and that's what God's calling uh, on the servant to do. He's telling the servant, I'm about to do a big work. I've already promised it from ages past, and I've been at work doing this and preparing this for a long time. Now it's time to do it. Now it's time to bring about my promises in their fullness, and uh, we see that in this story, and God's preparing In this story, to do a major work, to complete the plan and the promises that he's made to Abraham. I hope you're actively this week looking for the promises and the plans of God at work in your life. And if you have found God at work somewhere, I hope you're willing to invest all that you might receive all from him. And as you go this week, look for that. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus name.